Hey guys, this is Alex, and you're listening to Lunchbox Radio. And this week, we're going to talk about a show that is also on Netflix, like our show last week, which tons of you listened to. Um, we're going to talk about Kagegarui, I think is how you pronounce it. And I think the subtitle is The Compulsive Gambler. So, before we get into the review, it's rare that I have a legitimate excuse to talk about, like, anime industry crap. But in this case, we're talking about Kagegarui, which was, which is technically a Netflix original anime, but was actually animated and aired in Japan, and then they licensed it. They acted as a licensor in the same way that Funimation or Viz or even the old days Manga Pop, Manga or Tokyo Pop, not Manga Pop, that's a terrifying mega corporation that conspired to bring down the whole industry with like a cough and a bad joke um but Netflix basically acted as the licensor and so they licensed Kakegurui for their platform in at least America I'm not sure about everywhere else in the world but in at least in at least America and Kagegarui aired about half a year ago. It's an old show. It's a 2016 show. But what and they've done and they've done stuff like this before, but Kagegarui seemed to be the most not only egregious, but the thing that got the most attention because it, it, it's a style of anime that tends to be really kind of internet famous. And popular when it's airing because it's got this attitude to it that lends it to be kind of like, what the fuck am I watching? What the fuck did I just watch? Uh, atmosphere to it, and we'll get to that in a second. But another anime like this, and the manga is, I would dare to say, worse for this show, is Prison School. And Prison School was like, infamous, still has, like, really super infamous scenes, but was, like, on everybody's radar in the season it was airing, because it was just, like, some unholy god makes this show happen, and it's just, it, it's so committed to being one of, like, these ultra-perverse weirdo shows that it's almost like it's parodying itself and the point the point of prison school is that when at least when the manga started it was that it was trying to parody be a parody of the kind of like ultra etchy shows and trying to take it to the nth degree and it just like it became what it became what it mocked 
by that by that standard, which is I guess like the ultimate compliment in that case. But hey, so Kagegurui had the same kind of air about it because I mean, like they have the, basically the show has this thing where it is super trashy girls being super trashy and making meme faces and being way too into gambling. (laughs) And uh, for anybody who hasn't seen it, you can watch the whole first season. There's another season. God knows how long that will take to come out. Um, There's another season that's been greenlit, but you can watch the entire first season right now on Netflix. But Netflix held held on to it for a full half a year. I'm assuming to dub it and to like get all get it dubbed and like all perfect. But the problem with Netflix holding or or any company holding a show in any way, meaning like not airing it or in Amazon Prime, Amazon Prime's case, and they their anime streaming platform re- recently went bust because it's just no, no one was using it enough to make it legitimate because it was a double paywall. So like, not airing a show day and date. Um, Putting a show, putting shows behind a double paywall. Um, there's a handful that like really constraining the release of a show to be like on Daisuke only or something. Um, all of this works to not just hurt a show, but encourage the bad ways to go the the one ultimate bad way to go get this show. So you wanted to watch Kage Kage Garui when it was airing, you could go hog wild, find it on the internet anywhere except for the official place it was supposed to be. And that that's bad because it says it it's saying not only did that company not understand the market they're in, but they're actively ignoring the fact that not simulcasting something is supporting the A it's supporting the a less their show being less popular when they do decide to air it whenever they get around to it, I guess. Um, but it's also supporting the thing that ultimately caught that was a huge part of the anime industry crashing in um, in America, but also kind of around the world because they're support. They're basically saying, "Okay, you can't. This show exists." You are well aware that it exists because you have a web browser and a brain, but we will not let you watch it. So if you want to watch it, you have to do it illegally. And that takes money away from the creators 
and takes eyeballs away from the show when it actually does air. So, for for Netflix, their release style makes sense when it's something they control and they have whole cloth, everything about it. Just will this thing and will something into being the second it's out. But when it's a property that licensing, especially a TV show, especially anime, since anime, the standard has be the standard has become thanks to places like Crunchyroll and Funimation and Daisuke and even Hulu in some cases and a bunch of like a handful of sites have decided that anime should be treated the way that normal TV is treated. In America, you should be able to watch it, like, day and date, without much space between when it aired in Japan and then. So, like, that's why every Wednesday I sit down and I watch Boruto because I am a man-child. Or, like, every Sunday you get you get down with the weird lesbian NTR show Citrus. Or, you know, any... Or, every Saturday, we all sit down and we watch Darling in the Franks, which is really just, if Ava and... If if Evangelion and Elreka 7 had a weird love child that they refused to hug for, like, the first five years of its life, that would probably be Darling in the Franks. But I'm getting distracted the reason why so we've all been conditioned to do that as a fan base in America so when something doesn't do that we're like why would you possibly not do that it's the industry standard why would you just not go about that that's all fine and good that would be okay, and it would be okay if if Netflix and Amazon and companies like Netflix and Amazon wanted to fuck around with the market and do that kind of stuff. If that if we were conditioned to think one way, and they were simply asking us to think another way, with uh, and we went from point A to B. The problem is, is we're going from point B to C. A is pirating anime. A is the kid who's too the kid who's too broke in college to afford a Crunchyroll membership. So he uses his like cheapo laptop to go and download himself some anime from the darkest parts of the internet with while still being on the internet. Um a A is like me when I was a high schooler, and we were in the middle of the crash period of anime, and there was no way, there was oftentimes no way to watch certain things without pirating them because no one was licensing anymore anything anything other than like Dragon Ball Z and Naruto and a couple other things. But, so that, 
that will always exist as an option for people. If people really want to watch something bad enough, they can go and they can get it. As, lo- as long as it's been aired somewhere, like, if it's been aired on Japan, they can find it. Like, some people have done that legwork, people still do that legwork, and the manga industry is ravaged by this currently. So, when Netflix says, okay, like, for example, this season, we're gonna hold Violet Evergarden, we're gonna hold it, and we're not gonna premiere it, we're not going to run it day and date in America, apparently they're simulcasting it in Canada, but not America, which as far as I know, could be the same goddamn server, they just don't flip the freaking switch, which is even dumber, because the entire American audience that wants to watch the new fucking amazingly gorgeous from all those little clips of footage I've seen of it, Full Metal Saber Kyo Annie anime, of which there are tons of people who want to watch that, including me, except I haven't I haven't crossed the picket line, as it were, just yet. Um have to if they want to watch that as it's coming out, if they want to be part of that conversation, they have to go pirate it. There's no other option for them. They it's not like they can like not like any reasonable person would get up for a season, would move for a season, for an anime season to Japan to watch something. Um, and, you know, they want to be part of the conversation. So they, instead of waiting, they're encouraged to go the illegal route, which is, which is a big problem and which, and it's a problem that was solved that what wasn't solved because there will always be people who just don't want to pay for anime. That's the way it goes. But it was being dealt with effectively because everything that some ev- kind of anything and everything that somebody wanted to watch was being simulcast from somewhere. Meaning if you want to watch Pop Team Epic, you can go to literally any place that has streaming video, I think, except for Netflix, and you can put Pop Team Epic in your brain. Like, that's just the thing you can do. If you wanted to, if you want to watch, if you wanted to watch, like, um, Citrus, the lesbian NTR evil shitbag show I was talking about, you can go to Crunchyroll on Sundays and you can watch it. You can watch Cards Capture Sakura on Sundays every week on Crunchyroll by appointment. And like I was saying, we have been trained away from pirating into appointment TV. And because we all agreed, as part of this agreement, we all agreed... Oh, we're going to get things date, day and date. And if we want to watch them tomorrow, like later, they're there. But if we want to watch them as they come out, they're also there. But when someone says, oh, you'll be able to watch this, ho- this show three months later, when, when the majority of the fan, when 
it's no longer a relevant thing. And the majority of the fandom who has sought it out has moved on from it. It becomes a problem. And and if I were the production studios that are working with Netflix, and I know they that Netflix probably dump, dumps money into these production studios because everybody has, including me just now, has talked about how KyoAni like, knocked it out of the fucking ballpark with Violet Evergarden in terms of the way it looks. And they get to do that because Netflix is like, here's a dump truck full of $100 bills. Just to do all of the animation. We don't care. And that's good. But. And they still get the initial TV ratings. So they're. Getting all the acclaim. All the money. But what they're not getting. is They're not getting feedback from. Specifically the American audience. Which is a big. Which is constantly a big audience. I mean, it's big enough to have effects on some of what's produced in Japan. Um, and that's a big deal. But, that out of the way, the like weird anime politics bullshit out of the way. How is Kagegarui? Well, it's it's not bad, but it's not awesome. It this is not this is not like a necessarily at least in my eyes like knock it out of the park all the time show. It has some really excellent, excellent, excellent pieces to it. Um, but. First, let's kind of run down the plot, which this time, unlike Devilman Crybaby, which is complex, to say the least, in terms of plot, uh, this is pretty simple. Basically, this girl named Yumiko transferred to this school that has this pervasive underworld of gambling. It's controlled by this, like, the student council and the student and specifically the student council president and through kind of her twisted depraved little gambling addled brain she fights through the school and eventually to the president and then they kind of like they end her fight with the president on a tie so, they have all these different matches. I'm not going to talk specifically about each match because, like, each individual match is very specific and to, like, kind of describe them gets into wrecking them. And that that wrecks the fun of seeing her unravel people's plots. It pretty intentionally... And pretty consistently throughout the show. But what's really unique, and I've I read this in um, I I read this in 
Anime News Network, and I apologize, I can't remember the name of the person who wrote the article, but it was a really good explanation of what's going on with the point of view of the show. Yumiko Jibame, I think is her full name, is... always the show's focus, but she never the show's viewpoint character like so like that she's always being viewed through the eyes of either a kid in her class who she becomes friends with named Ryota who's this kind of like he's just trying to survive kid at least he starts out that way eventually he gets to be a little bit more into super gambling and weirdness but or Mary uh, uh, this like Super dishonest, cheating, gambling girl, basically. And the other, the other way that you see Yumiko is through the eyes of all of the people she eventually beats and all of her opponents. And in some cases, like the rest of the student body reacts to her. And so, while she is the main character, she's not, this whole story is really unique in that it tells the story about, it's like a third person narrative about a character. Um, kind of like Haru, the beginning of Haruhi Shizumiya, I haven't seen that thing all the way through, but it's like the first couple episodes when he is talking about her and you see her but you don't see but the main character doesn't necessarily do a whole lot it's similar to that but and that why that's interesting it this show dives into, like, a tournament arc kind of structure pretty quickly. And it's like, oh, I have to beat this person, this person, this person to get to this person, and then I can get to the person I want to, like, have a, ga- have a, have a gambling match with. Um, the, it's just, It's it's got an interesting style of storytelling. What the the two the two standout parts of it, and this gets down super odd, are the opening. The opening to this is really fantastic. Um, my the guy from from um, Jeff Sue professional shitbag from my mother's basement. Uh, from Mother's Basement on YouTube did a really great What's in an OP video about the um opening for this for, for Kagegarui and then there's this really out of character but placed to a fabulous song and really captures the idea of 
like the character of Yumiko ending and it's got a really amazing theme and it it is probably the most fan servicey thing about the show but it's not it it serves the purpose of showing you kind of how she feels on the inside when she's taking a true risk and blah 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 blah. But um no, the show just it it really has this honesty about like what it is and like the char- the characters have this supreme honesty about what they are. Yumiko it, is, by all accounts, sexually aroused by the idea of truly gambling on something, of the idea of truly putting everything on the line. And on even in the first episode, she is deeply disgusted with anybody who would try and game that concept and just so they could win, so they weren't putting everything on the line. Um, and it's... The best comparison I could make is it's like a detective show, um... It's like a detective anime, and what I mean by that is, like, it's like, um... What's it? Gothic is actually a good example of this. There's a show called Gothic. Um, from a long time ago at this point. But it's a good example of the kind of detective anime I'm talking about, which is eventually the protagonist knows everything that the viewer doesn't. But the difference between the Gothic anime, which gives you no help in trying to figure out what's going on. And Kagegurui is... Kagegurui drops little subtle hints. And if you're paying attention, you think to yourself, why are they specifically showing me that? Like, why is why are they panning around to all these people in, in, in the first... I'll go into at least the first match because it's confusing enough for you. You'll be like, oh, wait, what is that? I want to watch that. Basically, the first official match is Yumiko against Mary. And they're playing kind of like a, this game of war involving rock, paper, scissor cards. Um, and... Eventually, Yumiko figured. Yumiko realizes that Mary's cheating. She leads Mary down the path of thinking she's winning, and then, like, traps her. And like, oh, you. I figured out that you were cheating, and in the course of that. She explains, like, everybody in the entire room should be fixated on us. But they're not 
fixated on us. We are, even though we're the most interesting people here right now because we're gambling, they fixate on the person right behind me. And basically it turns out that Mary has everybody in the class in her pocket, so the person right behind her, who's actually Ryuta, she has in her pocket because Ryuta Ryuta owns her owes her uh, like a lot of money, and Ryuta is telling Mary which cards Yumiko has with like hand gestures. Um, and then Yumiko summarily kicks Mary's ass at the game, and like they move on. But it's it it I it it plays it plays out kind of every match in a really specific way. There'll be a moment when they where they call back to something, and you're like, oh, that's why it showed me that like two second thing. It wasn't just like a weird little character moment. It it had purpose. And that way, the story is actually pretty smart. The gambles aren't necessarily well done, but they are, like, the way the way they explain them is at least follows a consistent logic, which is really nice. Um, it's nice to have a logical show that does things because reasons, instead of just like, ah, oh, throw bullshit at the wall. Um, as for the look of it, the look, <laughs> it, it's always, it was always so funny to me that Kagegurui was bought by Netflix because the characters wear these bright, like, not bright, but like crimson red school uniform jackets as part of the school uniform. Um, and they're... They're meant to look like the kind of car dealers in, like, a Las Vegas casino because the whole show has a real gambling scene, so they look like dealers in casinos. Um, but that red is also very close to the Netflix red. <laughs> and in addition to that, like, Yumiko's eyes glow red when she's, like, super into shit. Um... I, I just... I, so, that that's part of the look of the show. The other thing about the show is... There are various points at which, like... The girls make these, like, ugly faces. Like, like... Like, when they're trying to get something over on somebody... Or when they hate somebody, or whatever. And they, they play... They play those up at the right time, and, like, it's very effective. Um... And it it serves the real purpose of getting you to understand that, like, what they're engaging in at any point is ugly, and it's not like they they make they make no attempt to hide the ugliness of gambling as, like, an addiction or, like, a character flaw, whatever you want to call it. Um, 
the in the first ep- in actually I think the second or third episode you meet a character who's supposed to be this composed like super composed calm person and they juxtaposed her like very calm serene face she's one of those people who are like has her eyes closed. She says, I've got my eyes closed because I'm serene and peaceful, motherfuckers. Like, character design. But then directly behind her is, like, a full-faced Oni mask. And you get the idea of, like, oh, this lady's a monster just like everybody else. It's not a friendly game. She's literally just taking people for all their worth. And she's trying to keep her cool. Um, and that... So when they, like, change her face express, facial expression in an extreme way, it has even more of an effect than it does with um, any of the other characters. The one thing that is odd about this show is, other than the, other than the like, I'm going to call it, other than Ryota, there's almost no... Well, I guess that's not true. There's, like, smattering of other male characters. But there are more female characters than there are male characters. And the... Well, the female characters are all treated with, like... They all have a massive amount of agency and intelligence and all that stuff. The male characters are never quite as... vilified at the female characters. The female characters are often, like, like, it's a super ugly thing that, like, they're into gambling and, like, not ladylike and all that stuff, and they, maybe because they're not concerned with it so much, they don't do that to the male characters, from what I noticed. Um, but... Um, it's... It so it's a it's a pretty good show overall in a way that is fairly it, 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 and it's it's a it's a pretty good show but it by the end of it it lacks this tension because they established literally within the first episode that the main character doesn't care if she loses, she doesn't care if she wins, she just wants the thrill of the act of gambling. So they bet all this stuff, but you're all, like your brain almost tells you immediately like, oh, but that doesn't matter. Like the main character doesn't care what happened to her. She just cares that she gets to gamble because she's a freak. She's a super freak. Um, and that that gives the show this like hollowness and this lack of consequence that kind of undercuts all the obvious I've just I said this entire episode. All the like great things it does with character and like depravity and all this other stuff. It's all kind of undercut for the fact that like. Oh, these gambles really don't matter because the main the main character doesn't give a shit. 
like what the result is as long as she gets the opportunity to tr- quote unquote truly gamble. Um, but so that's been Kagegarui. Uh, if you like this, if you if it sounds like something you want to check out, you can check it out on Netflix um, immediately. Um, but if you like this podcast, be sure to subscribe to it and tell your friends about it and to subscribe to it. Um, you can also leave me a five-star review on iTunes. I'm also on Google Play and uh, Stitcher. Blanked down my head right there for a second. And for anybody who didn't listen to the first one of these I did, because the podcast goes dark for a full six days every time I do this, every every time I release one, I've started, or a full seven days, really, I've started putting, like, a little mini teaser episode out on Mondays. So, like, Thursday is when the, ba- is when the actual episode is, but... Monday is, like, the next time on episode for the next third day. Um, so you can go and you can listen for those. I did one for this. I'm going to do one for the next episode, of which I'm watching the anime for currently. Um, but, uh, until next time, I've been Alex. This has been Lunchbox Radio. I'll talk at you next time.